Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Wow. Wow, look at this place. This is the coolest church in the history of the world. This is unfair. You're in Costa Mesa in the coolest region, and you're in the coolest church. Guys, you're sitting on leather recliners. What is happening? Like, there's layers. Man, I love Bethel. You know, I'm blessed that I get to be a part of that, but this church is cooler, let's be honest. Wow. (laughs) I knew Jesse was going to share that story about us attempting to roll around on, on the ground. We were actually trapped by our backpacks. And for some reason, we thought it was the funniest thing in the world because we both had our backpacks on. We were so tired. We'd been going for, I don't know, it felt like forever ministering. And it was fun. We were enjoying that. But we were so tired. You know when you get so tired, you get like crazy delirious? as well as the presence of God. It was a great mix. He had his backpack on. I had my backpack on. But we were kind of trapped facing each other, lying next to each other, just pointing to one another. It just got funnier and funnier and funnier. It was, yeah, it was probably one of those moments you actually had to be there. But, man, we loved it. We thought it was the funniest thing ever. You guys are so blessed. I know some of your pastors, some of your leaders. Do you guys have any idea how blessed you are to be in this church? My gosh. Wow. Chris, or he called me Brother Ben last night, which I felt like a major upgrade somehow in the spirit when he called me that. So I know Brother Chris really well, and he is one of the most anointed men of God I've ever met. He prayed for me one day at Bethel. Um, after he'd been to, to Reinhard Bonnke's School of Evangelism, and I said, would you, would you impart what it is that you got? <laughs> and he looked at me with his eyes. You guys know Chris really well by now. He looked at me with those eyes that only Chris can look at you with, and he says, are you sure you want it? <laughs> and I went, I think I do. I, I was pretty convinced I want it. He said, but if I pray for you, it'll change your life. I was like... <laughs> I was so convinced, so full of faith at that moment that it was that we actually had to go outside of the sanctuary just in case. (laughs) And he prayed for me and honestly, like the presence of God fell on me so strong that I actually, I was trapped outside of the doors coming into the, (laughs) coming into Hebrews lobby. It's a place where you come into the sanctuary. I was trapped outside of the doors for so long that security actually had to come and take me away because I was a fire hazard. (laughs) No one could get in, no one could get out because I was just stuck there under the presence of God after an interaction with Chris. Wow. And every time I'm with Jesse, I just feel like you're a brother of mine. I feel like we've had a lot of interactions, but I feel like there's an, an uncommon amount of connection um, between us, and I just feel real covenant with you, and I feel like you're an incredible man of God. I remember in Argentina, he'd just take a guitar, and he'd just start worshiping on the bus, 
and honestly, without question, I've told him this to his face many times. It's one of it's honestly the most anointed time of worship I've ever been in. Just that that week together in Argentina, his heart of worship, the tenderness that he carries, and his ability just to to navigate in the presence is phenomenal. And he's your leader. And his wife, Jessica, gosh, you guys are blessed. And I see Nicholas here on the second row. Man, he changed my life in the prophetic. I actually reference him in some teachings that I do, but I won't talk about that right now. But he changed my life in actually believing that God always speaks. Like I actually have a faith on my life that I could sit down and prophesy over you for an hour, not because I'm amazing, but because God always is speaking. And I learned that from him in a coffee shop in Reading. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so blessed to be here. I'm so blessed to be in the coolest church in all of California. So thanks for having me. My name's Ben Wilson. Uh, I have a lovely wife and three amazing children, 11, 9, and almost 7. Two sons and my daughter Hannah, she's almost seven, but she's going on, I don't know, 27. She's the most powerful human I've ever bumped into in my entire life. Has any parents out there know what I'm talking about? Oh my gosh. From the moment she's born, she has been the most powerful person I've ever known. You can say whatever you want to the boys and they'll listen to you and they'll respond and they'll toe the line. But Hannah, since the moment she was born, She'll do whatever she wants to do. And she runs the household. We try and think that, that she doesn't, you know, we speak words of life and declaration, but she likes to think she's in charge and we kind of think she is. So as you can tell, I have an accent, but also so do you. I just want to let you know that you actually carry an accent too. We all carry an accent, guys. Did you know that I loved Nicole's southern accent? That made my heart come alive. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm from Australia. I came across... Yeah, shout out to the Aussies in the house. Wow. Um, I came across to do uh, the Supernatural School up in Bethel, up at Redding, California, six years ago now. Uh, I was a farmer in the middle of nowhere uh, on my family farm for, for 10 years before I came over to school. Um, my life got radically changed, and uh, I found out who the father was. I met him. I knew who the son was and I knew who the Holy Spirit was, but I didn't actually know that I had a father who loved me. Um, I met him and that changed my life. Um, I was blessed enough to be there for two years and was ready to go home. And then um, the Lord called me to go on staff there as a pastor in the school of ministry. And so I've been blessed to be doing that for the, for the last four years. I have some of my team here with me. Shout out to the best revival group in, in the school of ministry. That's a little bit about me, but... Guys, so privileged to be here. So privileged to be here. Well, Jesus, we just just pray for a moment. Jesus, we're here for you. We're here for you, God. We're not here to we're not here to hear a message, God. We're not even here to speak a message. We're not we're not here to be impressed by by lights or sound or worship teams or any of that, God. We're here for you. We're in love with you. We magnify you, Jesus. You're the reason that we breathe. <laughs> you're the reason that we smile. You're the, you're the reason for life, Jesus. We love you. We love you. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you're so here. I ask that you would just increase your presence in this place. Increase our awareness and our capacity to receive from you. 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you that you are worthy of our affection. You're worthy of our attention. That you've captivated our smile. You've captivated our eye. You've captivated our hearts. (laughs) We're in love with you, Jesus. We look to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, I'm in love with Jesus. He's so amazing. Well, the Bible talks about the moment that Jesus died, that the veil was torn in two. The temple of, uh, of the Lord, the, the curtain was actually, they say, a foot thick. That it was actually impossible even in modern day to get two tractors pulling on either side of it to actually tear. Such was the thickness of the temple. The moment that Jesus died, it is torn from top to bottom in a moment. Not from bottom to top. I find that interesting. It's from top to bottom. It's like you can imagine that ever since the fall, ever since the moment that that mankind and God lost that intimacy, that interaction that they had in the garden where the Bible talks about them walking together in, in the cool of the evening, that ever since the separation from sin, it was like, it's like heaven's just been toes over the edge, just waiting for a moment to restore that which was lost. As soon as the worthy son Jesus is sacrificed, heaven tears the veil and intimacy is restored. Did you know that the veil has actually been torn? (laughs) Did you know that intimacy is actually available now? (laughs) That the manifest presence of God that was behind the veil, that priests literally had to have ropes wrapped around them so that if they went in once a year and they carried sin or maybe they sweated, they would drop dead, that they didn't have to actually go in in case they would die. They got to pull the rope out. The manifest glory, power of God that was held up as something that we couldn't have access to is now available to you and to me, that we get to actually walk in and have communion with God. The veil was torn, but the reality is there's still like the curtain there that we get to nestle in and pursue his heart to come in close to him. But the reality is we get to come in, but he gets to come out. He was longing for the veil to be torn, not only so that we could have access to him, but so that he could have access to us. He wants to come with his presence. It was like he was waiting just to flood out of the temple to be with humanity. Ha. Wow, Jesus, thank you. I'm so in love with Jesus and intimacy with him is the highest calling on my life and I believe it's the highest calling on yours. God shows the priority of intimacy by the fact that you can have access to all of heaven. That Jesus himself makes a way for you to have access to him. So intimacy is my portion. Intimacy is my prize. So inside of intimacy, inside of connection, inside of that communion that I have with him, we we have fellowship with him and we grow our awareness of, of the season of what it's like to walk in springtime. Right, We actually get to have such communion with him that it's like springtime with him. You always know that song, you guys? It's always like springtime with him. You know that song? I believe that's true, but I also don't. <laughs> it's always like springtime with him, except when it's not. <laughs> on, 
if intimacy is my greatest portion, my greatest prize, the greatest gift of humanity, if everything which is a core value of mine, if everything is an invitation into intimacy, and I only believe that I can approach God when it's springtime, then three quarters of the seasons of life with God, I think I don't have access to him. And I think something's wrong with me. And I think something's wrong with God. Is the highest value system springtime? Can we actually access that as a community, as a believer? Absolutely. Should we actually make that our goal? Yes. Let's have communion where, where it's like springtime, where everything's springing up and everything's amazing. But guess what? Springtime, as a farmer, which is what I was for 15 years, if it was only springtime, I'd be devastated. <laughs> because springtime in and of itself is a doorway to the harvest. Without a dry season, did you know there's actually no harvest? Did you know that? So I think when we sing these songs, we've just got to be careful that we don't actually start to believe a lie that says that springtime is actually the goal of my heart. No, it's intimacy with Him. If intimacy with God is my portion and my prize, then I actually don't care what season of life I'm in because I have access to Him because everything is an invitation into intimacy with Him. So then all of a sudden, instead of putting the cart before the horse, <laughs> I actually realized that my connection with God is available whatever season of life I find myself in. Did you know that Jesus had to cross over this stream called the Brook Kidron? to go into the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, scholars will tell you that the Brook Kidron would flood in winter and would flow, I would say autumn, but you would say fall, and in the spring. The only time that Jesus could actually access the Garden of Gethsemane was in the summer, was in the dry place. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of unless a seed falls to the ground and dies. The only time a seed actually falls to the ground and dies, guys, is in a dry season, is in a dry place. He has this ultimate showdown with the enemy in a dry season. Do you know what's awesome about a dry place, a hard place? is actually the enemy comes so close to you that you get to look him in the face and say, away from me, Satan. He actually gets close enough that you actually get victory over him and you get authority over him. But if you think something's broken and, oh my God, I'm so terrified, I'm in a dry place, I'm so separate from God, everything's going wrong. It should be like springtime where everything seems to work really easy and all my prayers are answered in a moment and... And I just, I get everything I want and more. And although that's our goal, although that's what we're believing for, that's the fulfillment of all that Jesus won. I want Him. I want Him more than the benefits of Him. I want Him. And if everything's an invitation into Him, then my eyes are open and I can see Him everywhere. There He is. Oh, there He is over there. 30, 60, and 100-fold return comes in the harvest, in the dry season. <gasps> Maybe I'm preaching to myself. I don't know, but I'm, I'm telling you guys, the springtime is, in and of itself is a doorway to summer. 
Enjoy it. Enjoy the season that you're in. Don't glorify the season that you're in, that you miss the ultimate prize, and that's him. Uh, uh, that's good. Keep preaching, Ben. I will. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 11.6 talks about some of my favorite scriptures. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. The nature of the Father is, re- is revealed as a rewarder. And that's his end of the bargain. He promises to be that for you. He is a rewarder. When we realize that he's a good father and he wants to give good gifts to his kids, we understand that all of a sudden hunger has a healthy place. Because I know that my father is good and wants to give me good gifts, I can actually be hungry for more of him because I know that there's always more of a limitless God. He is a rewarder. That's on his end. That's his perspective. That's what he's promised to be. It's almost, it's not a condition because God is unconditional. I understand that. But from our perspective, what's our role in this is to be the one who diligently seeks. <laughs> to be the one that diligently seeks. Oh, but hang on, in a, in a grace culture, in a love culture, in an always like springtime environment, isn't hunger like a dirty word? Isn't desperation something that we put away as orphan thinking? Not if he's a good father and he's limitless. <laughs> Not if there's always more of him. Not if there's a, a never-ending God that we can have access to. Do we have access to it now? Yes, we do. But do we? <laughs> it's the tensions in the kingdom. Always satisfied and yet hungry for more at the same time. Always satisfied and yet hungry for more at the same time. Guys, think about what you do every single day of your life. It's like a subconscious thing. It's like we, even, we forget that we're even doing it. We wake up in the morning, all of a sudden, there's that thing that happens to us. We're like, hmm, I'm hungry. <laughs> wow, I need breakfast. Normally I say I need coffee, and then I need breakfast. <laughs> but there's something that happens that we don't even think about anymore. Oh, I'm hungry, and I walk straight to the pantry, and I go on a pursuit, and I find food. And I cook it, and I eat it. And I'm satisfied. Woohoo! Satisfied life. It's always like springtime. Yay, it is. Except an hour or two later, something else happens. What happens? Oh, I'm hungry again. It leads me on a pursuit for food. I find food. I eat it. And I'm satisfied. And it just goes on and on and on every single day of your life. God is actually communicating something to you just in your natural body and how to interact with him. Hunger comes as a gift from heaven so that you can pursue food, so that you can eat, so that you can be satisfied. It's a gift from God. It's not something that we shy away from or we push back. Going, oh, God, I need to be, I need to be afraid of my, my hunger and my passion for God because I'm too much. I'm, I'm too extreme. And, 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 and I know that God's good and I'm not an orphan anymore and I'm a son, so I don't need to do that stuff anymore. No, understand that God in his goodness has given you hunger to pursue him so that you can have him. Ha. So satisfaction comes. Does it last forever in the natural body? No. 
There's a season to it. There's, there's, a, there's an intimacy journey with God that he tries to woo us into. Oh, when hunger comes in my heart, I know that it's a season that's drawing me into more of him. And so I say, yes, I recognize that on my life, God, and I say yes to it so that I can have access to more of you. Hmm, <laughs> Jesus. Hunger produces in me a pursuit. A pursuit, depending on what nation you grow up in. I say pursuit because I'm an Australian. I know that's weird, so I'll say pursuit just for you. A pursuit. <laughs> Understand that, that hunger is a gift that God gives you. He has more to give you in the kingdom. Yes, he's won it all, and we have access to it all, but have you accessed it all? It's the tensions, guys. It's the maturity of a believer to be able to handle both sides of attention. To not throw the baby out with the bathwater when we get a fresh revelation or a fresh truth is to be able to actually handle both sides of attention so that we can have more of him. Mm, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, God. Honestly, it's not about you, it's about him. <laughs> as gently and as lovingly as I can say that, I'll preach to myself as well. It's not about you, it's about him. The experience that you're currently walking in doesn't dictate how hungry you are or how intimate you are. You have access because the veil was torn. Okay, that's settled. That's a once and forever deal. But just because you have access doesn't mean that you are accessing it. So let, if you feel hunger start to rise up in your heart, actually say yes to it because he's probably inviting you into more of him. A fresh revelation of his face a fresh awareness, a fresh understanding of who he is. Guys, this might seem intense and crazy to you, but I'm intense and crazy, so congratulations. You're going to receive some of that. I used to try really hard to twist the arm of God. So I've come out of that. I've come out of religion where I thought if I worked really, 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 really hard, I'd twist the arm of God and I'd get more from him. I understand that that's a, that's a reality that many of us have tried to step away from, out of religion into freedom. But also, God still keeps some of these keys that he placed in me in that season, like hunger and passion to unlock more access to him. I don't throw it all away because I've got a fresh revelation of the Father and his love for me. I understand that this was a truth that he built into my life that he now gets to build upon. Now, intimacy is the thing that, that I'm allowing to be my guidepost. Intimacy, my connection with him. My revelation of my connection and communion with him is how I allow myself to be extreme. Because I'm connected to an extreme God. So in intimacy, he lured me in last year. He lured me into a 40-day fast. That's extreme behavior, guys. That's craziness. <laughs> Never do it unless you're absolutely convinced it's the Lord. <laughs> I'm telling you. I had no desire, zero desire to do a 40-day fast about two days before I, before I said yes to it. No desire, zero desire. I'd come out of a fasting season where I, I did a lot of long fasts because I tried to twist the arm of God and so there was that thing of like, I want to push all of that away. And then all of a sudden, from every angle, people, best friends, covenant brothers, saying, well, we're going to do a 40-day 40 fast. 40 fast. Then I start reading every story in the Bible about a 40-day fast. 
And then he'd start speaking to me in my intimate place about it. And it was this alluring. It was this intimacy. I was like, oh, you're over there. And you're, you're pulling me into this thing that's going to be hard. It's going to be extreme. It's not going to feel like springtime at all. But I know it's you. And you are more valuable to me than me eating food and feeling great. You are the prize. You are the goal. And so in intimacy, I allowed myself to be pulled into this extreme action. And I had a, I mean, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say it was easy, guys. It was hard. But man, what an intimacy journey I got to have with him. Increased level in connection. But irrespective of that, it's more the fact that I knew he lured me in and I said yes. Did you know that without faith, it's impossible to please God? He actually puts us in dry places, in hard seasons, in places that require an impossible answer so that we can have something that we get to give to him that pleases his heart. If all we're doing is walking around in springtime, we actually don't have this awareness or need of faith, which is a supernatural solution to something that has no solution. It's his gift to us. It's his gift to us. Did you know that he puts in his covenant something that pleases him that we could never muster up? (laughs) You know, I can try, but I can't muster up faith. I can't. I can try really, really, really hard, but I can't do it. But I put myself in situations where I need it in intimacy and response to him. And then he gives me faith. He does. He gives me faith so that I can please him. He gave it to me. And somehow it pleases him. Wow. If you find yourself in impossible situations right now, don't think that something is broken. Understand that you're connected to an impossible God. If you find yourself right now in a situation where you need faith, woohoo! God's giving you an opportunity to give him something that pleases his heart. Did you know that, wow, it is the greatest gift to all of humanity that somehow you or I get the privilege of moving the heart of God? There's actually nothing else. There's no other priority. There's no greater prize. You move the heart of God. (laughs) You. You move the heart of God. Did you know that? Your response to him, your being wooed by his heart, actually moves him, actually affects him. You can affect God. (laughs) Ben, you're preaching yourself so happy right now. Wow. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. So many things to say. We're just going to... Wow. Just picture like a, a six-year-old son and his father, and it's coming up to this six-year-old's birthday, and his dad's an outdoors man, and he loves being out in the woods and using things like chainsaws and chopping down trees and going fishing, and this six-year-old just absolutely loves his dad. I mean, he looks at his dad and thinks, this guy is all I want to be when I grow up. I just want to be just like my dad. 
So it's coming up to his birthday and he's like, well, I want to be just like my dad and I've seen him chop down trees with that chainsaw and so I want to be like my dad. I want a chainsaw. I want a chainsaw for my birthday. What do you think, what do you think the father's going to say when it comes to you know, his seventh birthday and he's asking for a chainsaw? What do you think the father's going to say? Uh, no. Not just yet, son. Now, is that a good father? Is that a good father to protect his son from something that could destroy him? Yes? Yes. Maybe for his seventh birthday, he might take him out into the garage and he might begin to show him how the chainsaw works. He might let him sharpen the blade a little bit with a file. Maybe when he's eight, maybe when he's nine, the son's still asking for a chainsaw for his birthday. He hasn't lost the passion. He's still in the pursuit of what's available. The father's like, oh, he's, he's still going after this. But even when he's nine and ten, what do you think the father's going to say? No. Is the son ready to handle the power, the weight, the authority of a chainsaw? Is he? So as a good father, what does he say? No. As he's 10, as he's 11, maybe now he gets to talk to him about fuel systems and two-stroke fuel and, and how, how the chain comes off and how you can take the whole bar off and how you clean it. Maybe when he's 12 and he's 13, he's still asking for it. Maybe he starts to show him the inner workings of the motor, how this whole thing works. Maybe when he's 14, he's still asking for this thing that he sees that's available to him, that he loves. He wants to be just like his dad. Maybe he takes him out, starts the chainsaw up. Come out with me, son. Put the safety gear on. Put your hands on the chainsaw. I'll put my hands over yours, and you can feel the power of the chainsaw. Wow. What do you think that's going to do to the 14-year-old son? I want a chainsaw even more than what I wanted it when I was seven. I felt the power of it. Wow. But was it his? Was he in control of the chainsaw? No, it was the dad. What happens when he's maybe 17? Maybe, maybe he's finally got to 18. He knows everything there is to know about the chainsaw. He's learned everything he can possibly learn about how chainsaws work. He's prepared. He's got his safety gear ready. He's already bought the earmuffs and the safety visor. He's got his two-stroke fuel. He's completely ready. He knows everything there is about a chainsaw. What do you think the father's going to say when he's 18? Yes, I've bought you a chainsaw. I've bought you a chainsaw. Now go out and see the benefits of the gift that I always longed to give to you from the moment you were seven, the moment that you asked. Now, if the son had stopped asking when he was 11, would he have got the chainsaw? Would he have got the chainsaw when he was 11? Is that a good father that actually withhold power from the son? What happens in the pursuit of that which is available? What happened to the son? He got ready. He got himself ready for that which is what was in the heart of the father to always give the son. In the pursuit of of that which was just over here, just out of reach. The passion that rose up in his heart when he felt the power of what it was that was available in the kingdom, shall we say. Hunger and pursuit prepared him to actually have the amount of power that was always designed from the Father to give him. 
I'm telling you, there's something that takes place in our pursuit of what it is that God says is available that doesn't just come down in one moment of time always. Sometimes it does, and we believe for that. But there's, there's something that takes place in the pursuit that actually prepares us to handle the weight and the power of that which is in our hearts and what's in the heart of the Father for us to be wielding. Do you think that God just all of a sudden drops revival on your life if you've been asking for it for five minutes? Guys, I'm, t- I'm sorry, but if he puts so much power on you, it will destroy you. If you are not ready for it, if you haven't got yourself ready, you actually won't be able to receive it. It will actually be a good father that's giving a gift that's going to destroy you, and I don't believe that's his nature. Jesus says, many things I have to give you, but you can't bear up under them yet. There are many things that I have to give you that I'm telling you, there's something about us positioning ourselves in whatever season of life we find ourselves in, whatever it is that's happening circumstantially around us, whatever hardship it is that we're going through. Did you know it could actually be a good father? I know I'm touching on some buttons here. It could actually be a good father getting you ready for that which he actually wants to give you. He wants us. He wants this church. He wants Presence OC. He wants California. He wants Reading. He wants Australia. He wants all of these nations of the earth to be discipled like what Chris is talking about this morning. He wants the manifest glory of God, the knowledge of it, to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. He longs for that, but he's also looking for a people that actually believe it enough that pursue it when they don't have it. It doesn't just fall out of the sky. Hunger always draws more. Can we as sons and daughters who know our identity, know how loved we are? Love, I love Jesse and I rolling around on the ground last night under the goodness of God, just enjoying him. Can we, in satisfaction, still go, oh, I'm satisfied, but I know that hunger is going to be just around the corner? Can I, as I'm, as I'm enjoying the fullness of that which I have access to as a son, still understand that there's more? We can recognize the orphan in the Luke 15 story of the prodigal son. We can understand and recognize the orphan thinking in the prodigal, but what we don't often realize is that it's just as present in the elder brother. What did the father say to him? He's, he's getting frustrated because he didn't even get a goat. Right? He didn't even get a goat. He's like, man, I've been slaving away here forever and I'm not even getting a goat. What was the mechanism that actually blocked him from receiving the blessing of the father? He didn't ask. He didn't ask. He wasn't actually hungry enough to realize that although I've got access to all of the kingdom, all that is the Father's, I haven't actually had enough courage to ask for that which is available. The Father says, all that I have is yours. It's one thing to have access. It's another one to access it. All that I have is yours. The fullness of the kingdom is your inheritance in this room. Everyone in the sound of my voice, the fullness of the kingdom is your inheritance this morning. Right now, you get to walk in and enjoy all that God has. But I'm telling you, for the greater things that Jesus promised, he's looking for a people that will get hungry enough to believe God for it. I'm telling you, that's true. 
That's true. Am I saying that we walk away from satisfaction or enjoying God? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you let hunger rise up in your heart, I'm telling you, it's a gift of God from the Father who is longing to satisfy your heart. When I get hungry, I get excited. And when I get really hungry, I get really excited because I know that God must have a huge breakthrough for me just over the edge of my agreement with my hunger. Why? Because he's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. So when hunger comes on me, I go, ooh he's going to reward me because he is a good dad. It's not an orphan thing to get hungry, guys. It's a son. It's a daughter. It's adoption. Oh, it's good stuff. Shiki and Amanda. Hunger itself exists on the premise I'm a limitless God who is good. Let me say that to you one more time. Hunger exists on the premise of a limitless God who is good. Hmm. Wow, thank you, Father. What does it look like for you to burn? What does it look like for you to actually say yes to the passion that's inside of each of your hearts for him? Inside of each of your hearts, there is a longing for access to more of him than what you've seen. I'm satisfied. I have access to all that the, that the king has given me into his kingdom. But every dead person that I pray for, they don't all raise. I've raised the sheep from the dead, but that's another story for another day. That's, that's a real thing. Not every single person that I pray for gets healed. Yeah, I'm getting amazing breakthrough in that space. But there seems to be a gap between that, all that I have access to and all that I've accessed. I believe that if I say yes to my hunger for more of him, I'm going to see more of him. Have, have, has Presence OC seen every single dead person raised from the dead yet? We're going to aim for that and believe for that. Amen. I believe there is a resurrection from the dead grace on this church. Not just in physical bodies, but in regions. Wow. I'm sorry, I'm just feeling the Lord on that. Wow. Presence OC is a prophetic name. Do you understand that? Presence OC is a prophetic name. Presence OC. Presence OC. I really felt that right now. Like this, what God's doing here is a prophetic sign of what he's doing in this region. Presence OC. Presence OC is what this region is going to be known for. The manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God. All that I'm talking about this morning. That's what this region is going to be known for. And I just declare over this house that you are a catalyst. Wow. You are a catalyst for all that God has in his heart for this region. He's actually prophesying through you and your passion to actually host and honor the presence He's going to use you as a catalyst in this region to make it all about Jesus again, to make it all about the Holy Spirit again, to actually celebrate the presence of God to such a degree that it begins to shift the entire atmosphere of this region. Wow. God, I'm asking that you would raise up a sound, that you would raise up a sound like you did in Acts 2, God, that that drew the whole region. I'm asking that you would release a sound out of this house that draws this whole region back to an intimacy and a relationship with you, Father. 
I'm asking God that individuals will become so marked by presence, so overcome by presence, so in love with presence that they're not distracted to the right or to the left, but they're so enamored by you because they've seen you and they've beheld you and they long for more of you. I'm asking that it wouldn't just be individuals, but it would be a corporate grace that comes and rests, not just on the leadership team, but this entire church, everyone connected to it, every family connected to it, that presence, OC, would become presence, OC. Whoa, in Jesus' name. Wow, in Jesus' name. Okay, wow. <laughs> wow, thank you, Father. How many of you felt the breath of God on that? Wow, I did. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So just close your eyes for a moment. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> wow. Thank you, God. God, I'm asking that through the words that I've spoken this morning, God, that permission would be released into the hearts of each one to begin to burn. That hunger wouldn't be a dirty word, Father. It would be something that becomes so manifest in their life, so obvious in their life that it's actually a mechanism for more of God, that they would begin to see that the hungrier they got, the more they had access to God, I'm asking that there would be a permission to burn with passion in presence, OC. God, I'm asking that, wow, wow, thank you, Father. Wow. 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 I just declare that it's okay to be extreme in your pursuit of God. I declare that it's actually okay to let passion rise up in your heart. I declare it's actually the most natural thing for a believer to be passionate, on fire, hungry, believing for more. I declare over each one of your spirits that you were designed to access more of Him, that you were designed to actually be a release and a catalyst in this region. Wow, I bless each of your spirits right now to come awake in Jesus' Name even more. Even more, even more awake, wow, to the access that God has given you. Show. We just declare, Father, that you are good, that we love you, Daddy, that you have opened up access to all that you have. And we say, yes, Dad, we want to come in. We want to pick up the chainsaw. <laughs> We want to pick up the chainsaw and start to believe, God, that when we partner with you, that it's easy, that we don't need an axe. We don't need to be laboring hard to try and chop down the forest, that you've actually given us a chainsaw and it's within reach. And God, if we need to persist in that, if we need to burn for that for four or five or 10 years in presence OC, then we're going to do that because we're going to believe that you're going to give us a grace to see, wow, the forest of, of the enemy's plans just chopped down like, like a knife through butter, like a chainsaw through a tree. We believe I just declare over each one of you that you are chainsaw carrying, <laughs> chainsaw carrying kingdom, glory, wow, invaders. Wow, I don't even know if that's a thing, but I just made it up. Wow. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So let's just enjoy him just for a moment. Thank you, God. 
We love your presence, Holy Spirit. We love your presence, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that the veil has been torn, Jesus. Thank you that you were the worthy lamb that tore the veil. Thank you that you gave us access to you. God, we want to access you. We want to access all that you've won for us. We want to come in and be like John and lay our head on your chest. We want to just keep pursuing you, coming closer and closer and closer and closer to you. Thank you, Jesus. And we just invite you, God, paint a big target on our chest, on our back, on our head, all over us. (laughs) We thank you that you've come rushing out of the most holy place. And we say, hey, God, we've got a target on our backs and on our heads and on our chest. Come, fill us with that manifest presence. Overwhelm us with that manifest presence. We want to be presence, OC. (laughs) We want to be presence, OC, Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know, Jesse, I'm pretty messed up up here. <sighs> wow. So if you feel like you need to respond to a fresh invitation for hunger, then I just want you just to stand up right where you're at. Sometimes we need to have a physical action to a spiritual yes that's happening on the inside of us. Sometimes we just need to respond physically to align ourselves with that. Thank you, Jesus. So just for a moment, I want to give you just 30 seconds or so just for you and God. Just begin to put it on your lips. What does fresh hunger look like for you? What does a fresh permission to burn look like for you? And I want you just to to start talking to the Lord about it. If you need to repent, of apathy, if you need to repent of like stepping back from that thing because you've been afraid of your passion, then just give that to him. Just give that to him. He removes that in a, in a moment of time. He'll take that from you and he'll give you the gift of hunger. He'll give you that gift of grace. He will. That's it. Just I want you to pray out loud and I don't, I want you to care about the person on your left or your right. I want you just to pray out loud. Be hungry enough to put it on your lips. There we go. Pray out loud. I give you permission. Pray out loud. Let passion begin to rise up in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yep, yep, yep. That's it. That's good. We love you, Jesus. That's good. Yeah. And Jesus, I thank you for the gift of hunger that you've given me, God. The gift of hunger that's on my life. God, I'm, I'm asking right now that there'd be an impartation of grace from my life to theirs. Just a gift of hunger would begin to settle on people's hearts. Yeah, right now that there'd be a gift of hunger, a grace that's released on people to burn for you, unapologetically burning for you, passionate about you, pursuing you with all of their hearts, knowing that God, as they do that, that they will access all that you have for them. And I pray all of this, Jesus. In your name, amen, amen. Before we, um, before we move out of this place, I just I felt like we got a lot of people here, and there might be people here that don't know Jesus. That we just heard about the intimacy that's available 
because the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. Even if there's one, maybe there's, I feel like, honestly, I feel like there's honestly like around three people and maybe there's a lot more than that. I don't know, but it, maybe you came because your friend brought you. Maybe you came because the Holy Spirit brought you. You don't even know, but, but you say you have a spirit guide and you just don't know it's the Holy Spirit. I want to make an opportunity to make room for God just to, just to move on people's hearts this morning. If you've been here and, and you don't know the intimacy of the Father, if you've, if you've never given your life to him, if you've never said, yes, I want, I want this God, I want Jesus in my life, yeah, I just want you to put your hand up. We're all standing up, so it's, it's not gonna look weird or awkward, but just put your hand up. Just raise your hand if that's you. If that's you, you just wanna come on. I see your hand over there. That's amazing. Come on, anybody else? Amen. Yeah, I see another one. Come on. Jesus. Thank you, Father. He's really good, Father. He's a really good Father. Is there anybody else? Is there, don't leave here without knowing that you have the intimacy, the, the gift given to you. Is there anybody else? Just raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. It's awesome. Come on, God. Oh, okay. If you raised your hand, I want you to come up here. I want you to come up here, and, and, and we have some prayer servants about to come up. And I want you to, I want you to share with them that, that you, what you did. And, and, and I'll, heck, I'll pray for you personally, but if I'm up here. But I, we want to pray with you. We want to, we want to, we want to, just celebrate. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for salvations this morning, Father. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.